and dial pound 250 and say boost infinite that's pound 250 and boost infinite you'll have the option to receive a one-time auto dialed text i'm Tavis smiley i'm glad you're hanging around with us today in this hour of our program delighted uh, to have you tuned in in this hour which i've been looking forward to i'll tell you why in a moment uh, in this hour a young girl is born in the philippines earns a law degree to practice both there and in new york falls in love with a guy named reginald lewis <laughs> Reginald Lewis, who ends up being the first African-American to acquire a multi-billion dollar multinational corporation. I remember well when that happened. And she ends up becoming a leading philanthropist. I am honored to say that Lloyd Lewis is live with me right now here in studio to talk about the legacy of Reginald Lewis and her story of love, marriage, motherhood, and running a billion-dollar empire. Now, for those of you Reginald Lewis fans, and I count myself one of them, you recall when Reggie Lewis wrote this book called Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun? Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun? It was an amazing book. I couldn't wait to get my hands on it, couldn't wait to read it, uh, to understand more of the story of Baltimore's own uh, Reginald Lewis uh, and uh, and the story of how he was able to accomplish all that he did uh, died way too soon. We'll talk about that as well uh, in this hour. But when Reginald wrote that book, Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun, the title alone made me want to read it. I say nothing of his backstory and all that he'd accomplished in the world of, uh, of high finance uh, and, um, and, and, and corporate affairs. And so here comes Lorda Lewis with her book, Why Should Guys Have All the Fun? Uh, an Asian-American story of love, marriage, motherhood, and running a billion-dollar empire. And there is an absolutely gorgeous photo of she and her beloved Reginald Lewis on the cover of this book. So when I tell you, uh, having read Reginald's book many, many years ago, how honored I am to now meet his wife and to have her join us live in studio, I mean that sincerely. Lord Lewis, what an honor to meet you. The honor is mine, Mr. Smiley. Thank you for having me. No, it's my great delight. And please call me Tavis. We can get along. If you call me Tavis, we'll get along much better in this hour. Uh, so, again, just delighted to have you here. Um, I said, I said uh, an hour ago uh, in the first hour of this program today, to my audience, if you do not know the name Reginald Lewis, take a moment and Google it before Lord of Lewis joins us live in studio. I want you to get some sense of how iconic this man was. So before uh, Byron Allen and all his money moves, uh, before Robert F. Smith and all his big money moves, the brother who gave all that money away at the Morehouse graduation a few years ago and paid for all those degrees, all that debt, that Robert F. Smith, uh, he blurbs the back of this book written by Lord of Lewis. So before uh, before Robert F. Smith, before Byron Allen and all these other black folk who are doing some pretty amazing things in the world of finance, um, uh, there was Reginald F. Lewis. And so I want to start our conversation uh, by asking you to tell the audience in your own words, who was Reginald Lewis? Well, Reginald Lewis, as you have said earlier, is the first African-American to buy on borrowed money, it's called leverage buyout, mm -hmm. a $1 billion company, Beatrice International Foods, mm -hmm. that consisted of 64 companies in 31 countries, international food. And so he broke through that glass ceiling that, that, that is only for white guys. Mm -hmm. So that's why he said, I want my book to, to, say, to be titled, why should white guys have all the fun? Mm -hmm. And here comes Reginald Lewis buying a billion-dollar business empire on borrowed money, leveraged buyout. Mm -hmm. um, tell me more about how that happened. How does a black guy 
to your point, uh, you said it a couple of times already. How's a black guy convince somebody, some white guys, to give him money to buy a billion-dollar company? Well, first of all, it's mindset. Mm -hmm. When we first met and was talking about Joe Lewis and Louis Armstrong, which are the well-known black singers, mm -hmm. black uh, sportsmen, he, he immediately waved me off. I'm international. Meaning to say he never thought of himself. Of course, he's very proud as an African-American. Mm -hmm. But he didn't limit his dreams to what dreams were. He didn't limit his dreams to lower sights. Yes, yes. He dreamt big. Mm -hmm. And he was only 25 and he's already saying, I'm international. Mm -hmm. And so where did that start? From the time he was young. Mm -hmm. Although his mother left his father when he was five. His grandmother, his mother, and the ten, the nine Uncles and aunts always gave him self-confidence, self-esteem. And in fact, when his grandmother would bring him, he was five, six, to, uh, to clean white women's homes, and the white woman said, why don't you ask your grandson to help you? Nope, he's special. Mm. So early on, he was given that self-esteem, that dream that he is special. But he didn't just sit behind. At 10 years old, he started to distribute Afro-American newspaper twice a week. In Baltimore. In Baltimore. Mm -hmm. He started with two customers, his parents, of course, his mm -hmm. grandmother, and he was able to get 100 customers in two years. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. <laughs> He's 10 years old. He's got 100 customers in two years. Start with his mom and daddy. This is the story that I wanted you to hear, and I'm so glad that Lorda Lewis is here to talk about his story first, and then we'll get to her story in her book, Trust and Believe, but I want you to understand, if you've never heard uh, the real story of who Reginald Lewis was, you have to hear this story, and I'm just getting started. With our guest, Lorda Lewis, you're listening to Tavis Smiley. What's your quarrel with the world? You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Helping to make you the most knowledgeable person in your circle of friends. This is Tavis Smiley. I was... um. Sharing with uh, Ms. Lewis, Lord of Lewis, uh, during the break, uh, how we actually connected, of course, reminding her she knows this. So it, it's, it's, it's a small world, and we, we've all, you know, talked about, you know, six degrees of separation. Uh, I believe in black America, it's more like two degrees of separation. Everybody knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows Pookie who knows somebody <laughs> that will get you where you need to be. Uh, I've told the story many times of my friend Nadine McKenna. Nadine McKenna is is the black woman who wrote the classic Christmas song uh, this uh, uh, this Christmas for Donny Hathaway. So uh, Nadine McKenna was working at the post office in Chicago and wanted to be a songwriter. Was in fact a songwriter. She'd written this song this Christmas, and for me, it ain't Christmas until I hear Donny Hathaway's version, the original version of this Christmas. So she's working in the post office uh, writing music. And she writes this song, and she wants to get it to Curtis Mayfield, uh, the icon in Chicago at that time. She didn't know anybody that knew Curtis Mayfield, but one of her co-workers at the post office <clears throat> said, I don't know Curtis Mayfield, but I know a guy named Donny Hathaway. She said, who's Donny Hathaway? He said, have you heard that new song called The Ghetto? She said, yeah, I heard it on the radio the other day. He said, that's Donny Hathaway. She said, oh, that guy's got a nice voice. He said, yeah, I don't know, uh, I don't know uh, Curtis Mayfield, but I, I know this guy, Donny Hathaway. And so because this brother at the post office working with her <laughs> knew Dottie Hathaway, that's how she got that song this Christmas 
to Donny Hathaway, and the rest, as they say, is history. It is the iconic uh, song written by, <clears throat> written by, performed by anybody black that everybody has recorded time and time and time again. And Nadine McKinnon has been living off that one song all these years because everybody covers it. But she had to hook up at the post office when one of her friends got her to Donnie Hathaway. Um, so I'm in New York a week or so ago. I'm there for a number of meetings and uh, I'm at a dinner table with a lot of uh, highfalutin, uh, high profile black people. And one of them is a guy named Carl Nelson. And somehow in this conversation, the name Reginald Lewis comes up. I don't even know how it came up, but this name comes up. Uh, and I started opining on how much I love Reginald Lewis. And I just had a book come across my desk written by his wife, Lorda Lewis. I was just starting to read it. When I got done with it, I wanted to invite her on the program. And this Negro pulls out his phone and calls Lorda Lewis <laughs> at the dinner table. Uh, he and Ms. Lewis are friends. And he literally put her on the phone with me at the dinner table in New York a week and a half ago. We talked. She said, Tavis, as it turns out, I'm coming to Los Angeles in a couple of weeks. And that's how Lorda Lewis got in the studio. Is that a crazy story or what? No, that's, li that's life. <laughs> Carl Nelson has been friends. We have been friends for since 1995. Yeah. Yes. And so we, we call each other, you know, attend galas together. Yes. Yes, no, no, he's very helpful. No, I'm glad he pulled that phone out. He was helpful to me. And so I, I had planned to track her down and didn't have to even work hard. Uh, so Carl dialed her. We talked on the phone right there at the table. Uh, and uh, we set this date, and I'm delighted to have her in studio. Her book is called Why Should Guys Have All the Fun? An Asian-American Story of Love, Marriage, Motherhood, and Running a Billion-Dollar Empire. We will get to the story of Lorda Lewis as we move through this hour. I'm glad I have the hour. There's a whole lot to talk to her about uh, in this hour. But I want to come back to the story of your, your beloved, uh, Reggie, uh, Reginald Lewis. You were talking about his growing up in Baltimore and how at the age of 10, within a couple of years, he had 100 customers. And he sold it. Yeah, yeah. He sold it to his best friend. Mm-hmm. On leverage buyout. <laughs> yes. He yes. sold his business as a kid to his friend. His best friend. Yeah. They're 12 years old then. Mm -hmm. And he would collect his portion, his his price, every week. And if he doesn't give every week, they would quarrel. Yeah. Yes. So so even then, at 12, he was already starting a business mm -hmm. and selling a business. Mm -hmm. So And that's how it did. In high school, he was a quarterback because mm -hmm. he knew that's the only way to get a scholarship for college. Mm -hmm. And he did get a scholarship at Virginia State University. Mm -hmm. Sadly, he hurt, he hurt his shoulder and he couldn't continue. So for, although his goal was to finish college on a scholarship, he shifted. You have to work. Mm -hmm. And so he divided his time. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, he would study, go to school. And Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, out. Meaning to say, um, you know, getting work. Sure. And he got to work with a photographer who does school albums. So he was the salesman. He would go, he would plan his his trip to go somewhere, get in touch with all the principals. Mm -hmm. And that's what he would do on Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday. He was so good. He was offered a partnership by this, his boss, his, mm. this photographer. Mm. So all I'm saying is that sometimes you're going one way, something happens, yes. then go the other way. Always a solution to every problem. Yeah. Let, me, let, me, let me stay with this story of his youth, uh, because you said earlier in this conversation, uh, Lord Lewis, that his mother, his family, when they were going to clean white folks' houses, and the white folk would say, why don't you get your son to help you? They would say, no, 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 no. He's special. 
I may be doing this as his black parent. No, grandmother. Grandmother, yeah. As his grandmother, I may be doing this, but this is not the work that my grandson is going to do. She would not let Reginald Lewis do that work because she knew there was something special and greater in him. That's a powerful affirmation. Exactly. You know, all parents should have that because your children will go up to the expectation. Mm -hmm. And if you say, oh, you as stupid or you, you know, all of the cuss words Mm -hmm. and, and bring your son or your daughter down. That, then that's all they hear. Mm-hmm. But you raise up their sights, you are going to do good. You're going to be, you know, a lawyer, an accountant, a teacher, whatever it is. Then you're putting, you're lifting them up, giving mm-hmm. them self-esteem that whatever it is they want to do, they can do. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's how I was raised by my father. Yeah. Tell me about your being raised in the Philippines and tell me about your father. Yes, my father was orphaned when he was 12 mm-hmm. and he was, his mother as with many Filipino and African-American too. Mm-hmm. You're, you have a rich uncle or an aunt, so you stay there. And that's what he did. At 12, going to high school, he was living with a rich uncle in one of the provinces mm-hmm. where he saw how his uncle was such an entrepreneur who, has a, who had a movie house, gasoline station, construction work, and other things. Mm-hmm. So eventually in his mind, Mm, that's a way to live mm-hmm. because it, they were co- very comfortable. So when he, when we were growing up, he would always he would go to Manila with, and stay there from Monday to Thursday. Friday he would come home, and at the end of a very sumptuous dinner, he would bring us. We would all move to the balcony where we can see the town where I grew up, where I was born and I grew up. Mm-hmm. And then he would start his. I, it really is called brainwashing. Or values, values formation. Mm-hmm. He would say, "All right, what are the five secrets of success?" He doesn't wait for any of us to answer because he'll answer himself. Hard work, and then he'll give example of how hard he worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, common sense. Common sense, as I said before, is finding a solution to any problem. Just common sense. You know, move it through your mind. Mm-hmm. What do I want to do? This is how it go there. Third one is determination. Because he said, many people will say, you can't do it. Or who do you think you are? Don't pay them any mind. Be be determined Mm -hmm. to achieve your goal. The fourth one is thrift. Thrift is called now financial literacy. Then thrift means putting money in the bank Mm -hmm. or buying things at a discount. So growing up as a su- successful as Mr. Lewis, uh, Mr. my father was, mm-hmm. he called him Paquito, mm-hmm. he never bought a first-hand car. Why? Because he's got, he got mechanics working for him. We always had a second-hand car. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's so bad it would stop in the middle of the road. <laughs> but that's part of growing up. Yeah. So thrift. Yeah. Okay? Know how to save. Here I would say know how to invest in the stock market. Mm-hmm. And the last one is faith in God. Mm-hmm. And I think that saved me mm-hmm. because I'm Catholic, I'm Christian. I believe that God loves me and will not let any harm come to me. And even if it comes, even if tragedy comes, he holds me in the palm of his hand mm-hmm. and I will not be abandoned. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus. Whew. Um, there's a lot to unpack there. Let me, let me, let me start with this. Um, your father was a special man, first of all, as you already know. But I love that that loving indoctrination that he was putting in you even as a child. What fascinates me is all these years later, you remember it like it was yesterday. 
The way you just broke that down is as if your father just told you that yesterday. Yes. It stayed with you all these decades later. Well, you know, how could not? Every weekend, that's how he would start yeah. our, you know, as we look over the entire town on the second floor of our balcony. Mm. Okay, so we were comfortable, mm. you know, middle class, upper middle class. And for him to start that, and we know Monday to Friday he wasn't home. Mm. He was in the city, in Manila. So we know he was working hard for us to send us to the best school. Mm. So, I mean, you know, you don't have to be taught. You experience, I experience it. Mm-hmm. My father works hard. My father never says, never accepts a no for an answer. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's what, that's how my mother got him. <laughs> <laughs> he was not accepting no as an answer. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So, you know, things, things, and he, he would say it every weekend. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you absorb it. That's mm-hmm. why, that's why you know it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. So you end up uh, with your father's encouragement going to the best schools. You, you, you've got his five principles of success. Um, you end up uh, the, uh, studying law. T- tell me, uh, tell me about how the law ended up being your 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 way out. Well, it's not only that. Mm-hmm. I studied hard for for elementary school. I was second place salutatorian. Mm-hmm. Okay, didn't get quite to first place. Yeah. By high school, I was valedictorian. Mm-hmm. Okay. In college, I was cum laude. So you you know you work hard. Mm-hmm. Then, college, University of the Philippines, College of Law. Tough, mm-hmm. you know. I was with the toughest, and I only graduated number seven in class, mm-hmm. not number one. Or only two. number seven, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to impress that. Mm-hmm. So my father wanted to be a lawyer, but he went into business. So when I took the bar, passed the bar in the Philippines, and and sworn in as a lawyer, he was so happy. Mm-hmm. His dream of becoming a lawyer is fulfilled in his first daughter. Mm-hmm. That's why I guess I was, you know, I was given the idea that I can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, I can aspire for anything and I can do it. So mm-hmm. again, that's a, that's, that's, um, what they call this now? That's a way of rearing children. Oh, yes. Okay. Whatever they dream, give them confidence. Mm-hmm. So he sent me on a round the world trip, come back to the Philippines and then start my career as a politician, because mm. when I was seven years old, he built a movie theater named after me, Lloyd Theater. Wow. So when I'm ready to run for public <laughs> office, I already have name recognition. Yeah, That's how far my father was thinking. What, what does it mean, uh, all these years later, when you look back on it, uh, Lord Lewis, what does it mean to have been loved in that way so deeply, so powerfully? I said on this program yesterday, and I believe this, that we are who we are because somebody loved us. Every one of us is who we are because somebody loved us. What does it mean for you in retrospect as you think about this, as you write this book, Why Should Guys Have All the Fun? What's it, what's it mean to you to have been loved that way by your parents? Well, I think it made me whole. Mm-hmm. And the way they loved me is not like you are good and they are bad. I never heard my father because I guess he was born, not born poor, but he, they were poor mm-hmm. when his father died, mm-hmm. that he never identified my classmates saying don't go with them because they're poor or mm-hmm. don't go with them they don't dress right you know don't go with them because they're darker mm-hmm. no, I never heard that mm-hmm. so we have the movie house I would bring my friends from all walks of life to st- to come to my movie house for free mm. yeah. so that doesn't make me popular but <laughs> I, I chose my friends because they were good I didn't choose my friends because of what they look, mm-hmm. because of how, you know, their economic status. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean to be raised like that? Loved 
and being given the ability, the, the belief that I can do whatever I want if I work hard, yeah. then I am what I am. When I think of Filipino, Philippine politics, and you'll you forgive me, uh, my ignorance is going to show here. But when I think of Philippine politics, I think of two people, Ferdinand Marcos and, and of course, Imelda Marcos, and then Manny Pacquiao. That's all I know about, about Philippine politics. So when you got into it at, at, at such a young age, why did you that, do that, and what was your takeaway from that experience? You mean growing up in the Philippines? No, being in politics. Uh, yeah. being in, no, yeah. I, I'm not in politics, yeah, yeah. but I know that politi- politicians, mm-hmm. uh, government, affect our lives to the very in every aspect of our life. Right. Therefore, why are we going to be quiet mm-hmm. and not vote, not register and vote? Mm-hmm. We are doing ourselves harm. That's why when Marcos, President Marcos, mm-hmm. declared martial law in 1972, my sister and I were out there anti-martial law. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so that, that goes on. Although during the time when I was married and I gave birth and we have two children, I, and also because, um, you know, you, you have to select what are your priorities. Mm-hmm. So during that time, I wasn't as involved except publishing a newspaper against Marcos. Mm-hmm. Or by the way, there is a Broadway musical now on Broadway in New York, Here Lies Love, mm-hmm. which is the story of Imelda Marcos mm-hmm. without the shoes. Without they the shoes, exactly. They didn't, they didn't, <laughs> they didn't emphasize the 3,000 pair of shoes, shoes yeah, but it's her rise and fall yeah. from a human standpoint. So it's not saying supporting martial law. Sure. No, it, it gives her as a human being yeah. warts and all. Yeah, I got to see that. Um, I, I haven't seen that yet, but I, I was just reading that that, that, that play is, uh, is up and running now. Our guest in this hour is Loyola Lewis. Her book is called Why Should Guys Have All the Fun? An Asian-American Story of Love, Marriage, Motherhood, and Running a Billion-Dollar Empire. More with Loyola Lewis when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. Interrogating and unpacking. That's what we do around here. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. May Fresh Daily in the Mert Park, Los Angeles, California. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley and Lorda Lewis, author of the book, Why Should Guys Have All the Fun? An Asian-American Story of Love, Marriage, Motherhood, and Running a Billion-Dollar Empire. She is uh, the wife, the widow of the, of the late, great Reginald Lewis. If you know anything about finance, you know anything about his story. When he bought Beatrice, LTD, back in the day, it was a major, major story, as I said earlier, in case you've just tuned in. And when his book came out called Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun, I could not wait to read this book. I was saying to uh, Ms. Lewis moments ago that I never had the honor of actually meeting um, Reginald Lewis, uh, but I, when reading that book, felt like I knew him from, from reading the book. Blair Walker did a great job, as he did working with you on your on your text. I noted that he did both books. Um, so I, um, I read that book and was just so empowered by it. Uh, and I've spoken a number of times at the museum in Baltimore that bears his name. So I've been there a number of times. I've given a number of lectures there. And every time I go there, I always start with a tribute to him uh, and uh, how much I took away from that book. I, when it comes to books written by uh, black folk in the business world, the two that have most motivated me and inspired me, not that anybody asked, uh, was Why Should White Guys Have All the, uh, the Fun by Reginald Lewis and Succeeding Against the Odds by John H. Johnson, the founder of the Ebony and Jet Empire. Two great books written by two brilliant black uh, uh, gurus, geniuses. Uh, I highly recommend both of those books. If you've never read either, uh, there are two of the books on my bookshelf that have uh, 
quite frankly, motivated me for many, many years. All that said, um, we, we were talking about your formative years in the Philippines and your loving father and mother and all they put in you and those five keys of success that you still hold on to all these years later. Tell me the story of coming to America. So I passed the bar. Mm-hmm. My father said, yes, go, come back, we'll start your career in politics. And then this is where sort of like life, take, life take, took a turn, mm-hmm. turn because I met on a blind date a man very much like my father, ambitious, driven, uh, hardworking, and uh, has high dreams. Mm-hmm. Although at that time I didn't, I didn't really understand how high his dreams was going to mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. So on that blind date, we hit it off. We had a good conversation, etc., etc. And then he invited me again on the second date. And at that time, I was like, you know, you know, a girl from the province, would you like to see the watercolor on my apartment? Because he told me about going to Europe when mm-hmm. he was second year college at Harvard Law School. Mm-hmm. In fact, my boss was his classmate at Harvard Law School. And that's how we met. Mm-hmm. You know, my boss was, give, uh, was, I introduced my sister to my boss. Mm-hmm. They're going out on the date. And that's when... Ray Glover said, why don't I f- do a double date, uh, uh, your, your sister and me, mm-hmm. and you, and I'll introduce you to a blind date. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've never had a blind date, so <laughs> it's a new adventure. Why not? <laughs> so on our second date, he told me about this watercolor that his friend, when he was in, in Paris, so I said, yes, why not? Mm-hmm. Go, we go to his apartment. And I didn't know that was like, like a signal that yeah. you're going to be intimate. <laughs> so he brought me home. Mm-hmm. I said, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. And I wrote him a letter. I don't want to see you again, but I'll remember you with fond memories. Okay, that was it. Goodbye. But one week later, he calls me for another date. I said, oh, my God, he didn't receive my letter. <laughs> Or he did, and he ignored it. <laughs> well, that's it. We had a nice time. We yeah. talked in the, you know, we talked nonstop again. And as he was bringing me back to the hotel, I said, "You know, I wrote you a letter." Yes, you did. What? You received it? Yes, I did. I told you, don't call me again. And this is this is how smart he was, Loida. I'll never do anything you don't want me to do. B- broke down my defenses. <laughs> That is the coldest line I have ever heard. That's a cold line. Yes, I did. I would never do anything you don't want me to do. Man. Reginald Lewis was smooth. Well, well, but that was not the end. Yes. As we continued to date, and and on Christmas, near Christmas, Mm -hmm. he invited me to the Empire State because in the basement was Count Basie Mm -hmm. and his orchestra. So we went again, and I told him, you know, I don't think we should see each other again. I said, why? Because I know I'm falling in love with you and you're falling in love with me and I will just break both of our hearts because I'm going back to the Philippines. And then again, he said, how do you know? Mm. So it really like, it's like he broke every angle mm-hmm. of my, you know, my, my, my defenses. Yeah. That's true. How do I know? Mm. So I took it mm. and, you know, we continued. Prior to that moment, that blind date, you said you'd never been on a blind date before. Had you ever gone out um, with an African-American? No. I was, no, no. In the Philippines, we're all Filipinos. That is very homogenous. Yes, yes. yes. Hardly anything. Mm -hmm. But 
As I said in my book at the beginning, okay, I was almost run over by a military truck when mm-hmm. I was five years old. Mm-hmm. And I nearly died, but the driver of that military truck immediately took me to the American hospital, American Army Hospital, and he was black. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that then. It's only when my mother told me, you know, when, when he, she knew that I was getting married, that at the beginning of my life, when I d- nearly died, an African-American serviceman saved me. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like, you know, God has a way mm-hmm. of getting two roads diverging and meeting, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, <laughs> yes. it's, a, it's an amazing story, an amazing story. So uh, Reginald Lewis wins. <laughs> he gets your hand in marriage. Uh, at, no, at, no, no, yeah. no, no. I propose, not yes, him. You, that, that is true. I, I, I was going to let you tell that story. So go, go ahead and tell it. I, I, you, you jumped ahead of me, but I ain't mad at you. Go ahead and yes, tell that story. Yes, yes, yes. Because, you know, we're both 25, both lawyers. Mm-hmm. You know, what else is next? So instead of he, waiting for him to pop the question, I said, on the subway, well, the, it was empty. So... Darling, do you want a big wedding or a small wedding? And mm. he replied, a small wedding. Up, mm. oh, he had replied. <laughs> <laughs> and I continued, do you want it to be in a, where do you want it to be held? He said, NYU has a small chapel. Because mm. he's also Catholic, although, mm. you know, he doesn't practice. Mm-hmm. Both of us were Catholic. So he answered. I was so happy. When he, he realized what was happening, he put his hand on his head. I have a headache. <laughs> Uh, he had a headache, but it didn't stop him, though. It, it, went, it went forward. No, 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 yeah. no. In the end, when I started to think what it means mm-hmm. to be married, not to a black man, but to a married to an American, American, a foreigner, as sure. far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. living in the United States, it means leaving my country, leaving my family, my friends, my ambition. Mm-hmm. I was going into politics and be a senator, never getting married. I said, I called him. I didn't even see him. I called him and said, I can't go through with it. I'm going back home. And then? And then on the way home, we stopped in, 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 in uh, Stanford with my friends. I was just so, so sad. Mm-hmm. So one of my friends, he said, uh, Jerry Hill, Loida, if you're that sad, why don't you just call him? <gasps> Never thought of it. Mm-hmm. Immediately dialed the telephone in his office because, you know, three hours difference. Mm-hmm. And I said, darling, I'm coming. I'm coming back. And that was it. Mm-hmm. We got married. <coughs> mm-hmm. Excuse me. We got married in the Philippines. Yeah. And my father gave a big, a big wedding for me. Mm-hmm. And we made, we made, we, after, right after the wedding, we flew back to Honolulu. Mm-hmm. Not immediately. To Japan first. Mm-hmm. Our honeymoon, which was wonderful. And that's what I, where I bought the first print of Toshiro, um, uh, uh, Hiroshige. Mm-hmm. He is an American print, um, a Japanese printmaker, mm-hmm. and that's the first artwork that I bought, or we bought, mm-hmm. we bought for him, mm-hmm. and then, and then went to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. What What did your parents, your father, make of Reginald Lewis? My father, of course, all his dreams are gone that I'm going to be in politics. Mm-hmm. But when I showed my father a picture of Reginald Lewis when we were in the Virgin Islands, you know, and he looked at it, and he looked at my eyes. His daughter is in love. Mm-hmm. No objection. Yeah, that's what I wanted to hear. Uh, so I wanted to hear because it, it's it's one thing for your father to have all these dreams uh, for you. To your point, all the things he thought was going to happen in the Philippines, he knew 
was not going to happen because you're going to be with Reginald Lewis in the U.S. of A. Uh, and uh, that's, a, that's a lot to swallow for a father who had such big plans for you. That's true. But yeah. my father is also has, you know, my father is very broad-minded. Yeah. And I have never played around. You know, I was just straight, sure. straight student. This is yeah. what I want. Mm-hmm. And so when I say I'm in love, I'm going to, I'm going to marry, you know, Reginald Lewis, there was no objection because he knew I don't, I, I, I'm not a flimsy yeah. woman yeah. who will just say things that, that and, and he saw yeah. that I was in love. Yeah. No objection. Love wins, as they say, love wins. Uh, The book is called Why Should Guys Have All the Fun? An Asian-American story of love, marriage, motherhood, and running a billion-dollar empire. As I said at the top, I can't do justice to this book even in 60 minutes, but I'm giving you the pieces. At least Lord and Lewis is giving you the pieces that I can in the time that we have. And there are a few more pieces to share when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. For all the freedom-loving folk, this is Tavis Smiley. I feel like Let's get back to more of this rich dialogue with Tavis Smiley. It is a rich di- uh, rich dialogue with uh, Tavis Smiley and Lord Lewis, author of the book, Why Should Guys Have All the Fun? An Asian-American Story of Love, Marriage, Motherhood, and Running a Billion-Dollar Empire. I'm watching my clock, and my time is getting away from me. Uh, let me just ask you right quick to, to say a word about um, the business um, of Reginald Lewis, the business, Beatrice, and, and what you made of that moment when he did something that was iconic and historic. Well, first I want to tell everyone his goal was always to buy a business mm-hmm. because his statistics say if you start a business, 10% you win, 90% you lose, mm-hmm. it fails. So his, his theory is in order to create wealth for myself and my family, mm-hmm. I have to buy a business. He failed three times, three times. And on the last one, he almost had a nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. But it's not like because I thought he did not get the business because of racism. The man, the white man, did not want to sell to a black man his business. But he didn't say his fault, her fault. He pointed three fingers to himself. I am doing something wrong. Mm. And so he studied all the successful LBOs, those who are able to buy businesses by borrowing money. And after studying all of their businesses, he said, I know what I'm doing. I was doing everything myself. So his first business that he bought on 100% financing, meaning he borrowed all the money, $22 million, is McCall Pattern. Mm-hmm. He worked on it very well, increased its income, and he sold it to 90 to 1 return, meaning if you invested $1, you got $90 back in three years. Mm-hmm. And right after that, he made a bid for $1 billion for Beatrice International Foods. And you say, he did that? He did it. He did it but with the help of someone whom he has been inculcating for five years, and that is, um, and that is the financier of the uh, of of uh, Drexel Burnham Lumber, mm-hmm. Mike Milken. Michael Milken, yes. Okay. Yeah, I know so Michael, Mike yeah. Milken and him, he was able to raise one billion dollars, mm-hmm. but to borrow one billion dollars. For 13% interest, you breathe in, that's 1 million, 1,000. 1, mm-hmm. Breathe out, but it's such a high interest, mm-hmm. borrowing 1 billion. So what he did before he even closed the deal on November 30, he sold half of it. He got $500 million by selling all the companies. Mm-hmm. And on that day, he, he got them contract to buy, to sell. And on that day, November 30, December 1, in Paul Weiss, where he's formerly worked, 
there was a closing on the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and closing and selling, closing and selling on, on his floor. As they sold the company, 500 million, he borrowed 500 million, so he closed the deal. 1987. <laughs> Reginald Lewis is bad boy. <laughs> uh, more with Lord of Lewis when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. From the Mert Park with love, love, love this love. is Tavis Smiley. Sounds, Sounds different. different. Huh. This is Tavis Smiley. I got to fast forward, Lord of Lewis, because we got like four or five minutes left here, and I got to cover a couple more things right quick. Um, Reginald Lewis um, was able to achieve his dream. Uh, he dies far too young, and then a decision has got to be made. And you made the decision basically to, to take over. Uh, was that scary for you? It Not, not really scary mm-hmm. because we interviewed five potential CEOs, mm-hmm. and all of them wanted a lot of money, mm-hmm. which is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, it's a billion-dollar company, mm-hmm. and all of them are white. Again, no, mm-hmm. nothing. One, one sure. Puerto Rican. N- sure. Nothing against that. Mm-hmm. But all of them were not able to tell me I will make it succeed. Mm-hmm. All they could say was, "I'll try my best." Mm-hmm. So in my mind, you'll try your best. What if it fails? Mm-hmm. Then Mr. Lewis' dream will go down the drain. Not get failure is not an option. Mm-hmm. And so after prayer, it was very clear to me on December 22, almost one year after he died, Lloyd, take over. Why? Because. I have to take responsibility for the family. If it fails, I don't have to point my finger to somebody else. Mm-hmm. I failed. But if it succeeds, it's because I made the right decision yeah. of choosing who will be with me. Yeah. So that's why I took over yeah. without any experience. Was I afraid? Daunting, yes. But I know God is with me. Mm. You know, I love the, uh, Isaiah 50, verse 7. Because the Lord God helps me, I will not be dismayed. I have set my face like flint to mm. do His will. Mm. And I know that mm. I will triumph. This is the, the right Reverend Doctor Lord of Lewis, who's preaching up in here right about now, and I love it. Let me let me let me close with this. Um, uh, like again, I just can't do justice to all this in this text. But you have been so beloved, are so beloved, and so respected for your philanthropy. So it's not just running a billion-dollar empire, making money for you and your family, but you've given so much money away. Um, I first um, uh, uh, saw your name uh, as the chair of the uh, Dance Theater of Harlem. You were chair there for a while. But so many other causes you supported. Just say a quick word to me in 60 seconds about the importance to you of philanthropy. Mr. Lewis started it. My father started it. I mean, in grandmother. Mrs. Fugit, Carolyn Fugit, my mother in love, mm-hmm. they all give. Why? Because to those much is given, much is expected. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, love your neighbor. Your neighbor, especially those underserved, they didn't have the opportunity, they didn't have the education. So, Reginald F. Lewis Foundation, which he founded 30 mm-hmm. years ago, is always for education mm-hmm. because education is the key out of poverty. Yes, entrepreneurship, yes, but it's really education. Mm-hmm. So that's why we continue to give. But we are now starting after 35 years. How can we make an impact? And one of the things I'd like to work on is to make outlaw the companies that are making money out of prisoners. Yes, oh yeah, horrible, 
horrible, yes. horrible. So I'm glad I'm glad that's on your docket now. Yes, it and, is. And I know if it's on your docket, something's going to get done about it. <laughs> uh, her name is Laura Lewis. The book is Why Should Guys Have All the Fun? An Asian American Story of Love, Marriage, Motherhood, and Running a Billion Dollar Empire. I've learned over the years of doing this, uh, over decades of doing this, that the uh, the mark uh, of a of a of a great conversation is you leave the audience wanting more. And I don't know about you. I want more. I'm just out of time. So we'll do it again somewhere down the road. Laura Lewis, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you very much, Tavis. More Tavis Smiley when we come forward.